Welcome to the Gary Smith Show. For the next hour, Gary will be taking your calls and answering your emails as he discusses personal development as it relates to your business, your career, and your personal life. Gary is a successful businessman and entrepreneur and is the founder and president of Optimum Performance Technologies, LLC. Gary is a business consultant, business and personal coach, and a professional speaker and writer who has dedicated his life to helping businesses and individuals develop and implement plans to take their companies and their lives to new levels of performance and success. Gary's latest book is The Customer Conundrum, Nine Crucial Steps for Winning Customers and Outsmarting Your Competition. He's also the author of The Shepherd and the Princess, Seven Keys to Conquering the Goliaths in Your Life, and Achieving Unusual Greatness, Timeless Lessons from the Trail Already Blazed. If you have a question or comment for Gary, please call in at 860-432-9735 or email him at questions at optex.com. You can also learn more about Gary by visiting his website, optex.com. And now, here's Gary Smith. Good morning, everyone. Happy Saturday. Welcome to the Gary Smith Show here on WSDK, 1550 AM in Hartford. Great to have you along for the ride. My name is Gary Smith, and I will be your tour guide for today and for what I know is going to be an exciting, exciting radio show. Today, we're blessed to have Bob Berg, who's an international speaker and best-selling author with us, and I'll be introducing him in uh, in just a couple of minutes. Uh, but today, we're going to be talking about uh, Bob's new book, Uh, or a recently published book called The Go-Giver. And it's a really amazing book. I mean, to show you how much it has meant to me, uh, I have read the book no less than 10 times in the past three months. Uh, And every time I go through it, it seems like I learn something new. And the thing of it is, it's just a really, really neat book from the standpoint that it's small, it's easy to read, it's written in a story format, uh, and yet it is just so rich that every time I go back to it, I keep getting more and more and more uh, from it. And it really is a, a transition or a transformational uh, work, uh, I believe, anyway. And we'll be talking with Bob a little bit about that. But it's interesting. The Go-Giver is a book, and it's written, as I said, in story form. And the central character of the book is a fellow named Joe who's in his mid-20s. And it's just in the formative stages of building his career. And uh, and in the first chapter, we learn that Joe is a real go-getter. He's climbing. He's working hard. He's doing all the stuff that he's been told that he needs to do. And yet, also, as we learn in the first chapter, Joe's doing a lot of going, but he's not doing a lot of getting. And I wonder how many people in our listening audience today are faced with those types of things. You get out there, you work hard, you push hard, and uh, and you think you're doing everything that's right. And you're just not quite getting where you need to be. And then Joe has an encounter with another character in the book whose name is Pindar. And Pindar is on the opposite end of the spectrum. Pindar is in his late 70s, although he looks like he's in his mid-50s. Very well-preserved gentleman, but he's wealthy. uh, He's influential. He's, He's powerful. And yet he's a genuinely caring man. And Pindar offers to share with Joe uh, his five stratospheric laws of success. And and those are the things that kind of turn Joe's world upside down as he begins to explore what success in business is really all about. And not just success in business, but success in life. Uh, And one of the things we're going to be exploring today is those kind of subtle shifts that make a big difference in, in your business your income, and your life. 
many of you have heard me talk in the past about Tony Robbins, and one of the things that Tony says is, you know, he asks the question, would you rather have 20% improvement right now, or would you rather have one-tenth of 1% improvement for the rest of your life? You know, and you know, one-tenth of 1% per day. And when you stop and do the numbers, the one-tenth, it's the incremental, it's the tiny little improvement. It's those subtle changes that make such a magnificent difference in the quality of the lives that, uh, that we live in the long term. Bob is uh, is a really, really neat guy. I've had the opportunity. I mean, Bob and I first met uh, back in 1977 at a direct sales event. Uh, and, uh, you know, not that we really connected then or knew each other or anything, but I've kind of sort of kept track of him over the years. And when he and uh, Kathy Tejanel uh, started a group called the Go-Giver Success Alliance a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to reconnect with Bob and uh, we've been communicating back and forth uh, uh, since then. So um, it's exciting for me uh, to have him here on the show today. Bob shares information on topics vital to the success of today's business person. He speaks for corporations and associations internationally, including Fortune 500 companies, franchises, and numerous direct sales organizations. Bob regularly addresses audiences ranging in size from 15 to 16,000, sharing the platform with notables, including today's top thought leaders broadcast personalities, Olympic athletes, and political leaders, including a former United States president. Although for years he was best known for his book, Endless Referrals, over the past few years, it's his business parable, The Go-Giver, which he co-authored with John David Mann, that has captured the imagination of his readers. The Go-Giver shot to number six on the Wall Street Journal's business bestseller list just three weeks after its release, and it reached number nine on Business Week. Since it rele- its release, it has consistently stayed in the top 25 on 800 CEO Reads Business Book bestseller list. It's an international bestseller. It's been translated into 21 languages, and it's Bob's fourth book to sell over 250,000 copies. Having said that, though, Bob believes his newest book, which we'll also talk about a little bit, called Adversaries into Allies, Win People Over Without Manipulation or Coercion, is by far his most important work. Drawing on his own experiences and the stories of other influential people, Bob offers five simple principles of what he calls ultimate influence, the ability to move people to your side in a way that leaves everyone feeling great about the outcome and about themselves. Bob is an advocate, supporter, and defender of the free enterprise system, believing that the amount of money people make is directly proportional to how many people they serve. He's also an unapologetic animal fanatic and serves as a member of the board of directors of Furry Friends Adoption and Clinic in Jupiter, Florida. Bob is on the line with us now from uh, Jupiter, Florida. So, Bob, good morning. Welcome to The Gary Smith Show. Good morning, Gary. Just so great to be with you, and thank you for the, the kind introduction and also the nice review of the book. Wow, you have read that book a few times. Oh, I have, and I'll tell you what, I'm going to continue reading it. I'm, go- I'm going to wring every drop of wisdom out of that book that I possibly can, well, Bob. That's very kind of you. So, listen, let's jump right into it, Bob. I mean, the you know, on the surface, um, when, when you think about the title, The Go-Giver, it seems to contradict conventional wisdom. Was that, uh, when you and John David Mann wrote the book, was that something that was, you know, that was really intentional? And can you talk about kind of the basic premise of the book? 
Uh, yeah, well, great question. And first, sure, I, it, it is intentional in the title to be a little bit pro, uh, provocative, if you will, something that will capture people's attention. The, the title of a book, and it, you know, there's the saying, you shouldn't judge a book by its cover or by its title. But that's exactly how we first judge a book. <laughs> and so we owe it just like the, um, the uh, headline of a, of a sales letter. You want it to be something that attracts others. So when someone sees something, you know, the goat, Giver uh, a, a, a book about a you know powerful business idea. It's sort of a pattern interrupt, and they're much more likely to to want to know more about it. Now, of course, the the message has to be congruent with the title, which which hopefully it is. But and so yes, we we did. Uh, want to come up with a title that would really be uh, an attractive title and uh the book itself the the major premise and again it's a it's as you had said earlier it's a parable so it's a it's a story though it's based on many true incidents but it is a work of fiction and i was fortunate and honored to team up with the great writer john david mann who was really the lead writer and storyteller he's just an absolutely brilliant fantastic writer and um the basic premise, Gary, is simply this. It's that shifting one's focus, and that's really where it begins. That's that's the key. Shifting one's focus from getting to giving. And when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing value to others. And that doing so is not only a, a nice, pleasant way to live life, but a very financially profitable way as well. Not for some sort of magical or more mystical reason, you know, just do good things and think, no, not at, not at all. Uh, but because really, when you think about it, in a, a market-based economy where, where people are not forced to, to buy from you, they're only going to buy from you because they believe there's great value, there's sufficient value in doing so, that there's more value in in doing business with you than in not doing business with you. And that's that's fine. That's how it should be. And that's why it's so important that your focus is genuinely and authentically on them, on serving them. You know that's that's really really important, Bob, and I think that's a concept that we can that we can talk a little bit about because as you were thinking uh, or as you were saying that, uh, I popped back into the book into Joe's initial encounter with Ernesto Iafrate, the Italian restaurant owner, mm-hmm. and uh, you know and you know Joe was uh, was looking at things from the standpoint of well, does this make any sense? You know, you know, does it make money? You know, and Ernesto explained to him that you know. Asking the question, does it make money, is not a bad thing. It's just a bad first question. Exactly. That, the, that the first thing we have to do is ask, does it add value? Exactly. You know, does it serve people? And if it does, then economically, yeah, it has to make sense. But, but most of the time, it ultimately will. And in, in your interactions with people, have you, have you run up against where people are trying to get through that and they're kind of running up against a brick wall because when they look at giving instead of getting, they say, well, yeah, I, I can sort of understand that from maybe a philanthropic point of view, but isn't it a little bit naive? You, you know, uh, and again, uh, it, it's such a superb question only because when, when someone looks at a title like that, the go-giver, that's what they might think, that it's about charity, that it's about philanthropy. And while we certainly support that and we believe in that, that's that's not what this is about. This is actually a, 
a way. It's a business philosophy, if you will. It's a way to run your business. And there are many businesses that, both large and small, that, that do run it this way. Not not enough of them, as far as we're concerned, but there's certainly ones who do that do, and they're very, very successful. What's interesting is that when the first the book first came out, John and I received emails, tons of emails from already successful people, corporate leaders, uh, entrepreneurs, people who are all salespeople, people who are already living their lives and conducting their business this way. Um, and the letters would say things like, well, this is what I've been trying to tell people, or this is, you know, this is what I've been doing, and this has given me a uh, uh, not encouragement, but uh, trying to think of the right word, uh, confirmation that this is the right way to to do it. So nothing that we that we wrote is really particularly new. We may have said it in a in a, a different way, but uh, these are the success principles that people have been utilizing for a long, long time. I, I would guess as long as there's been as there's been business conducted, it's those people. Because when you think of it, you know you think well. I'd rather do it the regular way. The easier, the the regular way is actually faster, probably, and that is just go after the money. And so, you know, what I say to people is this: Let's say you are the prospect. Okay, you are about to listen to a sales presentation, and uh, and uh, the salesperson who's presenting to you is totally focused on themselves. You can tell, and maybe even on the product, you can tell that they're not really that concerned about you, that they may be acting nice but or polite, but they're really focused on the money. They are focused on selling you this product or service, you buying it, and them getting a commission, and that's where you know the focus is. Okay, And I would say, are you more likely or less likely to uh, to buy from them, and the answer is, well, I would never buy from someone that you know. Well, of course. So, what makes you think someone would want to buy from you that way? You know, because <laughs> I say, well, okay, now, so now this this salesperson is listening to you. They're asking you really good questions to determine your wants, your needs, their desires. When you answer them, they're not listening just in order to have a, a good comeback. They're listening in order to learn and to understand. And then they're making suggestions that connect the benefits of their product or service with what you've stated to be your wants, needs, or desires. You can tell that their focus is, again, genuinely and authentically on you and bringing you value. Are you more likely or less likely? likely to buy from them. Well, of course, I'm more likely. Well, and that's how people would want to buy from you. Exactly, exactly. And you know, it it doesn't just apply in the area of sales. I mean, this is this has broad implications. And I'm thinking um, about another mentor of mine, a fellow named Roger Dawson. And Roger is probably one of the top negotiators yes. in the world. And one of the things that he talks about in his program on negotiating is that so much of the time we go into a negotiation with almost an adversarial point of view that, you know, that it's got to be a win-lose. I've got to win. The other person has to lose. And he said, but if we would just learn to discipline ourselves to take the time to find out what the other person is looking for, what they want to get out of this negotiation, realize that 90% of the time it's not in conflict with what we want and then help them get what they want, we will ultimately get what we want. Yeah, well, that's, that's right on the mark, absolutely. You know, and that's you know that's really really powerful. Now, let's get back to the book. I mean, one of the things that um, you know, right in the first chapter, we hear about Joe, you know, being a go getter, and then he has his encounter with Pindar, and Pindar, you know, says that there's one word that's the key to success, and that's giving. 
in in saying that, are we saying that being a go-getter is a bad thing? Uh, actually, it's it's interesting because, and John and I have both uh, both said this that we love go-getters. We love go-getters. Why? Well, go-getters take action. Go-getters get things done. Uh, you know, Gary, you and I, and your your all your listeners were were business people most likely in in one way or another and if there's one thing that we know <laughs> it's that you can have the best ideas the the coolest thoughts the greatest of intent but unless action is put into the mix nothing's going to happen it it simply cannot happen so uh being a go-getter is a great in fact one of my one of my favorite books written years and years ago by Peter Kine is called The Go-Getter a fantastic book um, so being a go-getter is fantastic. Um, the neat thing is, the nice thing is, there's there's no natural division between a go-getter and a go-giver. Many go-getters are also go-givers. Uh, and we would say that every go-giver is also a go-getter. So the opposite of a go-giver, then, is not a go-getter. The opposite of a go-giver is a go-taker. Now, that's the person who feels almost entitled, if you will, to take, take, take without having added value to the person, to the process, to the the situation. And we all know people like that, and they can be good people. Uh, but they tend to be very frustrated people because they 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 tend to not receive the kind of results and success that they, they feel they deserve. And even those times they do, because they do sometimes, it tends to be short-lasting because they, it hasn't been built on a real solid foundation. So, uh, And they, they tend to think that, that everyone else is naive, that they're living in the real world. Well, they're, they're really not. Um, so when we say go-giver, when we use the term go-giver, we're really simply talking about that man or woman who has learned, or perhaps always intuitively knew, that it's that person who can, who can shift their focus, who can move from what we call an I-focus or me-focus to an other-focus, always looking for ways to create value for others, and that's the person uh, who accomplishes great things? Oh, amen to that. I I could not. Uh, you know, I wish I you know I wish I could say that over again because it is so so important. Oh, thank you. Well, folks, we're talking with Bob Berg, uh, you know, co-author of the international bestseller, The Go-Giver. We're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, Bob, I want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, uh, Pindar's five laws oh, of yeah. stratospheric success. So we're going to take a quick break. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back with more of The Gary Smith Show. You asked for it, and it's finally here. It's the new life-changing radio app for smartphones and devices. No unwanted soliciting ads and no personal information required. It's just a simple way to listen 24-7, check out the program guide, schedule the events list, get Bill's updates, our daily devotional, and more. All found when you download the life-changing radio app, available at Google Play and the iTunes Store. Have you ever dreamed of achieving true greatness in your life? What does achieving greatness mean to you? No matter how you define it, greatness is always achieved intentionally, never accidentally. Hello, I'm business consultant, life coach, professional speaker, and author Gary Smith. One of the key attributes of achieving true personal greatness is the constant pursuit of knowledge. I wrote the book, Achieving Unusual Greatness, Timeless Lessons from the Trail Already Blazed, to help give you the personal and business development tools you need to help put your life 
and your business on the road to success. It's chock full of ideas that you can put to work to produce immediate results in all areas of your life. Don't settle for being average. Go to Optex.com and get your copy of Achieving Unusual Greatness today. Breezy and warm through the afternoon across the Connecticut Valley. Maybe a shower through evening, possibly a rumble of thunder. 70s to near 80 this afternoon, near 60 tonight. Sunshine's back for tomorrow, a warm, dry day, low 80s. A cold front drops southward tomorrow night. Partly sunny, brisk, and cooler near 70 Monday. Randy Berkson with a WSDK weather update. Life-changing radio, 1550 AM. Okay, welcome back to the Gary Smith Show, where we're talking with Bob Berg about his book, uh, The Go-Giver. And in our first segment, we were talking about the whole concept of being a uh, go-giver and uh, and how that... Uh, how that contrasts with, uh, you know, being a, a you know, go-getter and that a go-giver uh, is someone who's out there doing the right things and a go-getter is someone who, you know, really takes action. But the two are not opposite each other, that, you know, opposite of each other, that the real opposite of a go-getter is a, go-ta- or a go-giver is a go-taker, uh, someone who feels that they're entitled and so we need to eradicate those things from our lives. And trust me, folks, this book will help you do that. It's a, it's a very logical, step-by-step uh, type of process. But with that, Bob, let's, uh, let's talk, and maybe you can just take a couple of minutes uh, you know, and go through and talk about the five stratospheric laws of success and, and what they really mean and, and why you put them in the order that you did in the book. Sure. The Laws themselves are the uh, laws of value, compensation, influence, authenticity, and receptivity. The uh, first law, the law of value, says your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take or receive, in this case, in payment. Uh, But what does that mean? Because when you first hear it, it can sound a little counterproductive, very counterintuitive, right? Give more in value than you take in payment. What what does that mean? It sounds like a recipe for bankruptcy. You know, give more in value than I, I take. Or, or receiving payment at how does that how do I stay in business how do I survive never mind thrive uh, and so and that would be a wonderful question so let's look at that and and know that it's important to understand the difference between price and value price and value uh, price is a dollar figure it's a dollar amount it's finite it simply is what it is value on the other hand is the relative worth or or desirability of something to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, service, concept, opportunity, idea, that brings with it so much worth, so much value, that someone will willingly exchange their, their money for it and be just absolutely ecstatic as a result while you, the salesperson or business person, what have you, uh, makes a very, very healthy profit. Uh, can I give you a quick uh, example? Absolutely. Okay. Let's say, Gary, that you uh, hire an accountant to do your taxes, your tax returns. And this accountant charges you, we'll just name a round figure to make it easy, this this accountant charges you $1,000. Now, this $1,000 is his fee, or literally his price, $1,000. But what value does he give you in exchange for this $1,000? Well, first, 
through his years of experience, his his hard work, his diligence, his his finding out from you what you're looking to accomplish, getting to learn how your company works, he um, is able to save you five thousand dollars in taxes. He also saves you countless hours of doing it yourself, which frees you up to do what you would rather do or what you can do more productively. He also provides you and your family with the security and the peace of mind of knowing it was done correctly. So first, we see right here that while, again, price is finite, value is both concrete in terms of the $5,000 savings, but it's also conceptual in terms of the uh, peace of mind, which probably holds more actual value to you uh, than even the money saved. So what he did is he gave you well over $5,000 in value or use value in exchange for a $1,000 price or cash value. He gave you more in value than he took in payment. Um, now, here's the thing. You feel great about it because obviously you, you got more in value than what you paid for. But he also made a very, very healthy profit, which he should. And this is why uh, John David Mann and I both say that, that money is an echo of value. Money is an echo of value. It's the thunder, if you will, to values lightning. In other words, the, the value must come first. Again, the focus being on the value. The value comes first, and the money you receive is simply a very natural and direct result of the value you've provided. Okay, that's that's excellent. But then there's a, another uh, question that we can explore there too, and that is, if you if you're the type of person, and and I try to do this in my business interactions, and I believe you do as well, where I try to underpromise and overdeliver. You know, is is that also a reflection of value in your mind? I think that's one way of 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 uh, doing business, of communicating value, you can also promise a lot and deliver even more. So <laughs> I'm not sure one necessarily rules out the other. Uh, I, I would say the way we do business is we probably either under-promise or tell them you know, what, we, what uh, they can expect and do so in a way that communicates right on, on, an, on a very inherent basis that they can expect to receive much more in value than what they're going to pay for. Remember, it's it's the only reason someone will ever do business with you, right? Uh, it's the only reason that someone will ever do business with you because they expect to receive more in use value than what they pay. Otherwise, they wouldn't do business with you. So by the very nature of doing business with someone, you're, you're communicating that they're going to receive more in value than what they're going to give in, in, in payment, okay? But yeah, it's, it's a, to certainly under-promise and then just blow them away with fantastic service and excellence and uh, all the things that you provide, and that's always fantastic. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think that people, when they begin to realize this, and, and I think that the key to it is, I mean, it really adding value like that uh, really um, becomes a strategic weapon, if you will, for your business. It's a wonderful way to differentiate yourself in the marketplace, but you also have to do it with the right heart. You're ha you have to have that heart of service 
of really wanting to be out there and helping people uh, and and really being committed to them because that's I think that's and I, and I hope you agree with this. I think that's something that when you are talking with someone about doing business uh, together or uh, finding a way to be able to to help them. People have a sixth sense of looking at people and saying, you know, are you sincere or are you just in it for the money? Well, I think that's a, a, a very valid, valid point. That's why within the law of authenticity, which is our fourth law, uh, you know, we talk about how you, you do need to bring your genuine self to the table. And, you know, I don't know why anyone wouldn't want to authentically serve the person that they're doing business with. That's a, that's a big part of doing business. But even if they're not that type that, that really has that genuine heart, they still need to be... Let me give you an example of this because you bring up a great point. There's a person I know, I won't say their name, of course, but this is a person who just as a human being, doesn't necessarily like others and doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, would rather not have anything to do with, with people. And yet this guy and his company probably gives some of the best customer service I have ever, ever seen in my life, okay? He does it out of what he calls just rational self-interest. He knows that people are only going to do business with him because they're getting so much value from doing business with him, and they are, by the way. But he, and he's always nice to everyone, he's polite to everyone, but he doesn't try to be something he's not. Um, he just is himself, and people do business with him knowing he is who he is, but they also know he gives phenomenal service. Uh, but he and he does it because he realizes that's the only reason why people are going to do business with him. So, um, yeah, I mean, p- personally, I you know I'd like to see everyone have a heart to serve and and have that come genuinely and authentically across. Um, but you do have people who hey they they are in business for one reason one reason only and that is that's their that that's their way of earning an income they're making money and but even to do that again in a free market this is the case the only way you can make money in a free market where no one's forced to buy from you is by giving such uh, phenomenal value in exchange for what you're receiving in payment that that the customer or client feels it's in their best value to do uh, best interest to do so does that make sense yeah oh absolutely absolutely it does and i appreciate you you know you clarifying that and using you know using that example because i think that's you know that's powerful for us so let's talk uh, let's move on let's talk about uh, the second law the law of compensation yeah, the law of compensation says your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. So where law number one says to give more in value than you take in payment uh, or receive in payment, law number two tells us that the more people whose lives you touch with this exceptional value, the more money with which you'll be rewarded. If we go back to your accountant in the first example. He did a fantastic job of giving you much more in value uh, than what he took or received in payment. So the chances are you are very happy with him. You would uh, do business with him again, and you would most likely refer him to others. Well, his other clients most likely feel the very same way. So our accountant is very quickly amassing what we call an army of personal walking ambassadors. And as he continues to add that kind of exceptional value to the lives of more and more people, his income will continue to grow and grow. This is something that the the protege, Joe, learned in the story when talking to Nicole Martin, the CEO, who uh, a 
let him know that you're that law number one, the law of value, as important as it is, it's the foundational principle. This law represents only your potential income, but it's not enough to just serve one person with exceptional value. Law number two represents your actual income because it's a reflection of the impact you're making on the lives of many people. So it's not just that great value, it's how many lives you impact with that value. So we we could really say, we could combine the first two laws in a sense and say exceptional value plus significant reach equals very high compensation. Excellent, excellent. That is uh, that's a fabulous way to put it together, Bob. It really is. And and you set the springboard for talking a little bit about law number three because when you were talking about uh, the concept of having this army of personal walking mm. ambassadors, uh, it goes to law number three and Joe's meeting with uh, with Sam. Uh, Pindar's financial advisor mm-hmm. and the whole the whole concept of what is influence really? Yeah, well, law number three, the, as you said, the law of influence uh, says that your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Now, again, we hear that and we say, wow, I mean, that 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 sounds kind of productive at best, and perhaps even downright Pollyanna ish at worst, right? But think about it. And Gary, you know this because you write on this in your books, you teach this. The, the greatest leaders, the top influencers, the most financially abundant salespeople, this is simply how they run their lives and conduct their businesses. They're always looking for ways to, to place others first, to, to, to provide value to others. That's where their thoughts all go. Um, now, let me clarify this and qualify this, if, if I may, uh, because this is something John and I often answer, and that is when we say place other people's interests first, we certainly don't mean you should you should be anyone's doormat or uh, uh, a martyr or self-sacrificial in, in any way. Absolutely not at all. It's simply that, as, as again, Sam told, uh, told Joe, the protege, the golden rule of business, of sales, of networking, what have you, is simply that all things being equal, all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. And there's no faster, more powerful, or more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you from others than by, again, stepping outside yourself, what we call uh, you know, moving from an I-focus or me-focus to an other-focus, looking for ways to, as, as Sam said, uh, make your win about the other person's win. And again, the successful people, this is what they already do. Yeah, that's really true, and uh, you know, I know, uh, and I'm sure you're familiar with uh, with him, Stephen Covey, uh, in his uh, book, uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Uh, one of the things that he mentioned is, and it, it kind of, I think it kind of dovetails with what you and uh, and John were talking about in the book, and that is, he says, you know, seek first to understand, then to be understood. So it's that attitude of putting the other person first and really seeking what is it that you want? How you know, and how does that? How can I help you get 
exactly. what you want. And like you said, it's not a matter of laying down and being the doormat. It's not that you know that self-serving uh, you know type of you know type of attitude. It's a genuine interest in the other person, and right. that and that's why the you know the laws seem to be positioned so that they're you know they're they're building blocks. Exactly. Of, you know, first adding value and then adding value with, you know, with reach so that you mm-hmm. have greater impact. And then it's really putting other people's interests first in, in building that army of personal walking ambassadors. So it really is a stair step process, isn't it? It is. It is. And then uh, and, and you've made the, the point a couple of times because I know this is a, a very, very high value of yours, and that is being authentic about it. And that's where the law of authenticity comes in. And the law of authenticity simply says that the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. Um, Deborah Davenport, one of the mentors in the story, very successful, hugely successful salesperson, she explained that that uh, a lesson she learned in, in her career, uh, a very valuable lesson, was that all the skills in the world, the sales skills, technical skills, people skills, as important as they are, Gary, and, and hey, they are all very important. They're also all for naught if you don't come at it from your true, authentic core. Now, when you do, when you, as we like to say, show up as yourself day after day, week after week, month after month, now people feel very comfortable with you. People feel good about you. People know you. They like you. They trust you. They're more apt to want to be in relationship with you personally or business or, or however. Uh, people respect this type of, of consistency and, and authenticity. I, I always loved the quote attributed to Gandhi uh, where he defined Integrity is when everything you think and everything you feel and everything you say and everything you do are in alignment because people know who they're dealing with. They know who who this person really is. And so it's very important for us to tap into our own authenticity. And one way to be able to do that is to truly understand the value we bring to the table. And once we once we do that, and once we have that confidence in ourselves to know what those strengths are and what those, uh, as Mike Littman calls it, uh, assets of value that we bring with us that allow us to add value to the marketplace, now it's a lot easier to show up as yourself because you know you've got something worthwhile uh, showing up for. Absolutely. And I think, uh, I think in some professions that comes across even, even more that, you know, auth- authenticity and kind of along with that, that transparency, uh, you know, with people, I you know, as you know, I do uh, a lot of business and personal coaching mm-hmm. and, and a lot of times, you know, I think sometimes if you, if you come at it from the approach of, you know, I've done the book learning, you know, I've worked with a number of people, here's what's going to work for you. People kind of sit back and they, they, they really get uncomfortable uh, with that. But when you look at it and you communicate it from the standpoint of, let me talk to you about my life's experiences. I've been where you are. I've experienced the things that you're going through. So I, I not only have some ideas about what we can do to fix things, but I also understand, you know, at all levels, you know, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, I understand where you're at because I've been there. 
Well, and you know, one one very important reason for people to have a coach such as yourself, and this is this is very important, is because a lot of times as human beings, because we're so emotionally involved with ourselves, it's difficult for us to see our strengths. And uh, you know, I I know I've been speaking with people, and I'm, I'm sure you've done this as a as a coach, that uh, you know where where they've told me what they're doing, and I've said, oh, well, that's ter- that's fantastic, that's terrific, that's awesome. And their immediate response was, oh no no, everyone knows how to do that, or everyone does this, and they were not being falsely modest. They really didn't understand this exceptional value that they possessed or that they brought to the table. Because again, they just, to them, they know it. Whether they put in their 10,000 hours of practice or were naturally in tune to a most likely a combination of both, they can do something fantastic, but they're just, they're used to it. So to them, in their world, in their model of how the world works, it's no big deal. And that's why I think it's important for someone to really self-reflect, but also because, again, we're, we're too emotionally involved in ourselves to have a coach such as you that can care and yet at the same time be dispassionate enough that you can help them identify their strengths, their asset, those assets of value in a way they may not have been able to. Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting that you say that because I have a a client that I'm coaching now and we had a discussion about this just the other day. And I said, you know what one of my greatest desires is, is I want you to be able to see you the way I do Mm. and see the tremendous value that you add, the tremendous heart that you have for what you're doing. You know, and and as you're exactly saying, Bob, you know, some people sit back and say, well, that's no big deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. Yes, it is. You know, because <laughs> it's part and parcel of who you are. And again, mm-hmm. who you in that authentic way, you know, what you bring, you know, in your authenticity to the marketplace. And let's let's jump forward now, because, you know, we've talked about the law of value, the law of compensation, the law of influence and the law of authenticity. But none of it works without the law of receptivity. Yeah, none, none of it really works. Right. So talk to us about that, because I think that was a great awakening for Joe toward the end of the book when when he really discovers the need to be receptive. Yeah. And based on the feedback that, that John and I receive, uh, this is the number one issue so many people have. Now, I, I would say, Gary, that if, if the law of value is the foundational principle, the fifth law, the law of receptivity is is the law that that kind of brings it all together and brings it home. Uh, Law number five, the law of receptivity, simply says the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. And you recall that that late in the story, Pindar, the main mentor, uh, asks Joe to breathe out and, and hold that breath to the count of 30. Well, Joe tries, but within a few seconds, he starts to struggle. And within about 10 seconds, he's struggling for, for air. He's gasping for breath and, and finally stops. And, and uh, Pindar says, what's the matter? Joe couldn't do it. And, and Joe says, no, I can't just breathe out. I've got to breathe in as well. And then, by the way, a lot of times when I'll speak at a leadership or sales convention and we're on this law, I do the same thing with the audience. And it's really funny because everybody starts, you know, we all start at the same time. And after about five or six seconds, a bunch of hands go, you know, I say, put your hands up when you're, when you're out. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and then 10 seconds, I'm out. You know, then some t- people are still going at 15, but they're struggling. And, and you know, even if you have a, a swimmer who's used to holding their breath, you know what? They still have to. They they still have to stop, 
because and, and everybody laughs because we all see it's it's impossible. You can't do it. That's one thing you you cannot just breathe out. And that's what Joe says. Because Pindar says, Joe, what if I was to tell you it's been medically proven that it's actually healthier to breathe out than it is to breathe in? Joe says that's silly. You can't. <laughs> you can't just do one or the other. You've got to do both. Aha. You've got to do both. We breathe out. We breathe in. We breathe out carbon dioxide. We breathe in oxygen. We breathe out, which is giving. We breathe in, which is receiving. Because of the messages, the so many messages of lack we receive from the world, uh, whether it's whether it's upbringing, whether it's friends, whether it's school, whether it's uh, the TV shows and the movies, the, the messages of money is evil and business people who are wealthy did it on the backs of others and blah, 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 and this and that, you know, we hear so many horribly negative messages about money that one cannot help but have that seep into their subconscious. And so many people grow up and live lives with a very negative attitude about money itself. And money is not good or bad. Money is a means of, of exchange. It's a means to an end. What it can do is great, but money in itself is uh, rep, you know, representative of, uh, you know, a dollar is just a piece of paper, but it's representative of, well, it used to be representative of gold. It's not anymore, of course, but it's it's it's, it's representative of a concept of, of a type of value. So, um but because of these negative messages about money, a lot of times people can, can give, they can give value, but when it comes to receiving, now they have an issue. And you know, if someone finds that they're good givers, and yet they're not able to really receive to the degree they should be, there's probably a negative relationship with money going on, and the chances are it's unconscious. And so it's a great idea to study prosperity consciousness. There are many great books on that. Uh, you know, Bob Proctor has some fantastic books on this. Randy Gage is is probably my favorite at this point. I mean, this, this guy has a the. If you go to my blog, berg dot com slash blog, on the blog roll, one of them is Randy Gage's blog. You can click on. I read his blogs every day. His his videos, the uh, uh, Prosperity TV, because I really believe that because we get so much. We naturally, through all the various media, we get so much negative talk uh, messages about money and about prosperity. Those are going to seep in. So we need to proactively be feeding ourselves with an abundance mindset. But here's, here's really the key. Giving and receiving are not opposite uh, uh Term, or they're not opposite terms, they're not opposite ideas. Giving and receiving are simply two sides of the very same coin. They work in tandem. The, the question one should be asking themselves is not, am I a giver or a receiver? It's, I am a giver and a receiver. The key, though, always goes back to focus, which is the very first thing we discussed on this call. Focus on the giving the giving of value to the person, to the individual, to the marketplace, to what have you. Focus on the giving of value and allow the receiving. And when you allow that receiving, you'll suddenly find your life is filled with abundance. Yeah, so it's allowing the receiving. Mm -hmm. And I think that's perfect. It's allowing and not demanding. Right, exactly. You know, so so that you know that takes the stream in a whole different way. You're open to getting it when it happens, mm -hmm. but it's not like you're expecting it. 
You know, it, uh, it, I would say this. It's not like you're attached to it. Ah, right, you know, I great. want people to expect. I mean, I want them to expect good things. But I, but I know what you mean. And that is you're, you're doing it. You're doing the thing without the attachment to it having to happen a certain way. But you know it will because you know that it's just – it's law that, to, that when you provide value, it begins the receiving process. Yeah, and you know it's really interesting when we see that because when you're when you're open to it, but you don't have that, uh, you know, you're not you're not attached to it. It's amazing because if you if you stop and think, well, if I do this, you know, I'm probably going to receive, and it's probably going to happen in this way. You'd be amazed. I mean, at least I find that a lot of times the receiving comes from out of the blue. It has I have it has no connection with what I with what I was doing or what I thought I was doing. Exactly, exactly. You know, and that's the part quite frankly that I find uh, exciting. Yeah. You know, because you just, you know, you you it creates within you that kind of expectancy that says, "Yeah, I know where it's I know it's going to happen. I know it has to happen. I just don't know when and where." Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's funny. John wrote an article uh, about that very thing and and we and and then we included it in the follow-up to the go-giver, go-givers sell more because it was I, it was just so spectacular. Uh it, it's called the law of left field. And you know, that's sort of that time when you when it's not a separate law, it's not a sixth law, it's 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 a sub law or mini law, if you will, within the greater law of receptivity. Uh it basically says the greatest gifts will come to you at moments and from places you least expect. Yeah, how does it work? Well, when living our lives and conducting business according to these these principles, all sorts of value showers down upon us from that unnoticed unseen place it, it, it it's it's having that uh that that finding that critical lead receiving a great referral making a crucial last minute connection that just happens to turn into a very very lucrative new new client uh, a golden opportunity just drops suddenly into your lap or some incalculably valuable thing comes your way but not from the people or places you might have expected or even hoped for so what did you say to yourself wow that one came right out of Left, left field, field, right? So you know, when when living with a what we might call a giving spirit, uh, again, just meaning focused on creating value for others, giving value to others, um, great value comes to you, and often suddenly and unexpectedly, and in amounts far greater than what anyone owes you. But you know, Gary. I think it's very important to understand, and I, I try to always make this point because I just think it is so important. There's really nothing mystical or magical about it at all. You can't know exactly where these gifts will come from, only because you can't know exactly how far your influence is spread. But spread it has. You've planted so many seeds of goodwill, of great will. So many people know you, like you, trust you, want to see you succeed, want to be a part of your life. Uh that you've created what what John and I call a benevolent context for your success. And while uh, you can't necessarily see it in action, there is indeed cause and effect. The cause is giving. The effect, receiving. Mm. Oh, that's powerful. That's really, really powerful. Well, Bob, we're coming down toward the end of our time, and uh, actually, because we were having such a great time, I skipped through the uh, uh, commercial 
uh, so that we uh, so that we could spend some more time together. But in the well, future, go ahead and take that commercial. No, no, to. no, no. This is this is fine. This is great. That's one of the things that's nice about having my own show. I can decide what we're going to do and what we aren't <laughs> going to do. But in the in the few minutes we have left, there's uh, you know I'd I'd like you to do two things for me. I'd like you to talk real quickly about your latest book, Adversaries into Allies: Win People Over Without Manipulation or Coercion. It, I'd like you to tell our audience uh, how they can get your books and how they can connect with you. Um, sure. The uh, well, the new book, "Adversaries into Allies," is simply um, uh, really it's people skills. It, it's understanding that you can have so many of the great traits and characteristics of a, a successful person, but unless you can influence people in in a, a very appropriate and effective way, it's very difficult to really, really accomplish significant things. So it's really a book on how to deal with, with people. Some people might be difficult people. Some people might be great people. But because of the situation that you're, that you're in, it might be the, you know, the customer from whom you need to charge higher fees or maybe the boss you're asking for a raise. It might be the customer service representative who's not providing great customer service, what have you. Um, that person is temporarily standing in the way of your your happiness. So we need to be able to deal with people constructively in a way that makes them feel good about themselves and in a way that that uh you know brings a, a win to all as Roger Dawson was talking about as you as you mentioned earlier. Um uh, uh, I do want to mention that my co-author John David Mann has a new book coming out uh uh in just a couple of days. It was written with Brandon Webb who was a, a Navy SEAL. Uh, it's called Among Heroes, a U.S. Navy SEAL's true story of friendship, heroism, and the ultimate sacrifice, uh, Brandon Webb with John David Mann. And uh, uh, it, it's truly, truly very inspiring. And for people who are interested in The Go-Giver uh, or uh, any of my other books, they can come to Berg, B-U-R-G dot com. They can subscribe to my Influence and Success Insights. And uh, on that page, there's a whole bunch of other goodies they're welcome to come to and, and, and hang around. And I want to do the commercial for you because you're so wise and you're so knowledgeable that I would like people to connect with you and have have you as their as their coach. Oh, thank you so much for that, Bob. And uh, thank you so much for uh, for being a part of the show today. Uh, I am so blessed uh, to have a connection with you and to be able to have you as a friend. And you're just so gracious to take time, especially on a Saturday morning. Uh, as I mentioned in the, in the post I put up the other day, you remind me of Pindar opening his, uh, opening his home on a Saturday morning uh, to, uh, to Joe. Uh, but it's been a real blessing. Uh, I hope that... Uh, in uh, in the not too distant future, we'll be able to coax, uh, coax you back, and uh, let's talk about some more stuff together. Because the wisdom and uh, and the caring that you share uh, with uh, with people is just yeah, I, I'm in awe. So thank you very much, my friend. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. I appreciate you. Thanks so much for having me on. Okay. God bless. We'll talk to you soon, Bob. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Well, that wraps another version of the Gary Smith Show. A great, great show with uh, my friend Bob Berg. And I, again, just appreciate his graciousness in being here today and sharing so much uh, with, uh, with our audience. With that, we will say goodbye for another week. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. Go to, go to Berg.com and get the Go-Giver. It will bless you beyond measure. Uh, take care. We'll see you next week. Until then, live your life with purpose. Bye-bye now.
Thank you for joining us this morning. Please mark your calendars and be sure to join us next Saturday at 11 a.m. for another edition of The Gary Smith Show. And remember, there are a number of resources available to assist you at Gary's website, optex.com. Until next week, may God richly bless you.